Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Praise God. Uh, Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16. And uh, let's look at this verse of Scripture. Uh, And I want to deal with the subject matter, and that is the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith speaks and decrees. The spirit of faith decrees, speaks and decrees. It speaks and it decrees. What what you and I say on a regular basis matters. Now, uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Oh, that's a good verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I believe I'm looking at a bunch of believers here, right? People that believe in Jesus Christ. People that believe the word works. This is this. For everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Outside of anybody who's Jewish, the word Greek means anybody else. It literally means anybody else. You're all included in this. So, so to the Jew first, because that's who the gospel came to first, and then it flew, it went out from that level, and to anybody else quali- that is not Jewish, anybody else. So to anybody that believes. But notice this, and then he said this, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed. That word shame, it has its rooted foundation. It's, it's, uh, it's, it was built up from, once again, the word fear. fear uh, to be ashamed means to be intimidated. It means to have somebody else tell you you can't do something, that you're not good enough to do it, and that you don't qualify to say it or to do it, and then you believe it enough that you bow to that level of it. And then you start to repeat what they said about you. That's the destructive force. It's not that they said it. It's that you believed it and started saying it. And then you told somebody else. And when they told you that, that's their gospel about you. But this is the gospel about you. Right here. This book is the gospel. It's the good news about who you are. You are the righteousness of God. You are the born again believer. You are the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. You are the carriers of this life. You have been, if I can use this term, infected with the life of God. You're carriers of who God is. So when you enter a room, healing comes. Amen. Amen. So when you enter a room, life comes in. The life of God. And anything included with the life enters in when you enter in. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. Man, what a bold statement we ought to be able to say. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I recall jo- Joanne one time, she, she worked in downtown L.A., uh, uh, there in Wilshire Boulevard, and she worked in at Traveler's Insurance, and she used to co- carpool with, with another lady. The lady was a little older than her. Joanne and I were in our 20s at that time when we first got married, and they carpooled together. And uh, Joanne would go one drive one week, and the one would drive another week. And uh, so one day, the lady, it was t- the lady t- time to pick up Joanne that, during that week, and she never came. And then since she didn't come, Joanne said, I got to get to work. I don't want to be caught up in this traffic and that. So she left, went to work. And then when she got home, she came in and told me that uh, she, she found out that the woman that was supposed to pick her up, they uh, let her notify her that uh, she had passed away. She died in the shower that morning. That's why she never picked up Joanne. And Joanne started crying. And she, here's what her statement was. Not that she died. She goes, I never told her about Jesus. I, I Yeah. Yeah, you didn't get her saved. She said, I told her, but I never got her born again. I never got her saved. Joanne cried. She goes, I don't know where she went. And she said, she made the statement, I will never allow somebody in my presence again until I commit to hearing them say Jesus is Lord. And she just went, oh man, the power of God came on her. And she's been the number one soul winner in my life that I've ever witnessed to watch her. I fell asleep on airplanes and she would witness to people. Yeah, sometimes she'd witness to people while I was asleep, take my Bible, and I'd say, what were you doing? She goes, I got this woman saved, I'm giving her your Bible. <laughs> You're my Bible, why don't you give her yours? <laughs> she goes, yours has more notes in it. So she'd take my Bible, she'd take my stuff, she would do that. This would occur. We were on a plane one time, and somebody let somebody, and they brought him to me, they said they want to make Jesus Christ, they kneeled on the aisle on the plane. 
get him saved and get him filled with the Holy Ghost. We did. And Joanne and I both chased a man off a plane one time and because he told us that he was on the plane. His wife had left him. Here's why. His wife had left him, not because she was with another man, not because she hated him, not because she was uh, uh, sad with her life. No. She left her because she had been diagnosed with cancer and was told she was only going to live for two months. And she said, I don't want to put that, my husband through that. So she wrote him a note. I'm leaving you to die alone so that you don't have to deal with this. And he was on the plane. He was telling me this. And it, it, he was weeping while he was telling He had no luggage on him. Stan, no luggage on him. Nothing. He was chasing his wife. He was two and a half hours behind her on our plane. She was taking another airline. He jumped on the plane. He didn't know where she'd find. He was hoping he'd find her at the airport. And he was on our airline. He was crying. So Joanne and I went to the luggage place. He had to go out to that area. We chased him down, got a hold of him, and he ran into the He took off running. He told me what airline she took. We chased him. And she was there waiting for her luggage. And she took all of her luggage with her. And she's there. She's crying. And he runs up behind, screaming her name out. And Joanne and I caught them both. And we got to pray with them. And both of them accepted Jesus Christ. And we got to lay hands on her and curse, curse that cancer in her body. See, if, if you're not passionate enough to run after somebody, Amen. if you're not passionate enough to chase somebody, if you're not passionate enough, then you're ashamed of the gospel. The gospel must be so real to you. This is the only good news that changes you every day. It's so good, it changes you every day. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It would do you good right now to turn to somebody and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, man. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the gospel that anoints. It's the gospel that promotes. It's the gospel that increases. Anything you need in life, it's in the gospel. If you need hope, it's in the gospel. If you need peace, it's in the gospel. If you need financial prosperity, it's in the gospel. If you need healing, it's in the gospel. Whatever you need, it's in the gospel that's anointed. And the only way the gospel can come out is out of your own mouth. You must say what God says. You've got to believe it, and you've got to say it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. It changes the atmosphere you're in. It will literally cause you to be a commander of your day. You are, you are in charge of your life. Not the stimulus package. Not the government. Not the Republicans. Not the Democrats. Not any congressman. Not any senator. Not any governor. Ladies and gentlemen, the one who rules your heart should be only one. Jesus Christ. It's in Him alone we trust. If you trust Him, the Bible said, and you will do good. By do, and so it causes you to do good. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. To everyone that believeth, once again, I believe I'm looking at a bunch of believers. I believe I'm looking at a bunch of excited believers, all right? Now, therein is the righteousness, watch this, the righteousness God revealed. It's revealed. It's revealed from faith to faith. Now, watch this. He's talking to a whole, to a whole church. At the time of the writing of this, the Corinthian church was almost 15,000, potentially 20,000 members. So how does one man tell a whole church, we all have the same spirit of faith? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? We all have the same spirit of faith. Now, we all, in this auditorium, been born again from a different point, also watching by TV. We've been born again from a different level. We all have faith because we hear it. But the measure of faith that we live in growing exceedingly is dependent on what you're saying regularly. Because what you say, you see, when you guys drove here today, when you came, for the most of us, whether you drove your own car, drove with somebody, whether you took a bus, taxi, whether you rode a motorcycle, skateboard, however you got here, you had to ride some form of cement, whether you call it asphalt, cement. You rode here. In other words, the road was paved, and you rode on the road that was already paved for you. So in order for you to get from here and grow your faith grow exceedingly, then your words are paving your road. So if you're riding on a road that's full of gravel, it's because of what you're saying. If you want to pave right, speak right. Yeah. Speak right. And that way you won't live this way. You won't live like this. On curves and like a roller coaster, go up and down and come backwards the other way. You won't do that. You'll go like this. Your, your whole life ought to be like held like this, peaceful. Yeah. Everything about your life. Right. Praise God. Look at that. No shaking, no bouncing. Look, straight. Just straight. That's the way your life ought to be. And that's the way, that's the way you got you to look at life. I have no phobias. I don't have any fears. I have no fears. I have, you know, I don't have any allergies. Well, I landed in Scotland one time. Well, only one time. Only one time. Joanne and I were scheduled to go to Hawaii. Our first trip to Hawaii. Never been to Hawaii. First, first over, over, we call it, we went overseas, but it was for us, it was, because we were going over the ocean. 
And so, we were, so we were going over, over to Hawaii. And uh, I was asleep, and I woke up. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. And the, I saw a vision. I saw myself in, in, uh, in Scotland. I saw that her brother had called us. He was stationed there in the military. And that he called, and he, at that morning he was going to call. I saw this in the spirit. And so uh, I got up, and, and uh, he said, he's going to call you 6 a.m., your time. And so the phone rang at 6 a.m. And he said, he's going to ask you to come to Scotland and preach the gospel. There he's got a Bible study. He wants you to come. So change your plans. You're not going to Hawaii. You're going to Scotland. I said, all right. So the phone rang at 6. Duran goes, the phone's ringing. I'll get up. I go, I got it. It's your brother. He's calling from Scotland. He said, how do you know that? I go, the Lord told me. So I woke up, grabbed the phone. I go, hello, Angelo. He goes, how'd you know it was me? Goes, God told me. You want me to come to Scotland? And you got a Bible study going on. You're out there in, out in the hill, and you got a brick house out there that you guys meet at. And he goes, how do you know that? I go, I saw it. Nobody knew but me. I, God and I had an inside plan. We knew the 17 people. I knew exactly what they'd be wearing when I got there. I knew which ones were going to get saved, which ones were going to get filled with the Holy Ghost, and which ones were going to be called in the ministry. God is so good. Amen. So we changed our plans. We went to Scotland, and we got to preach in Scotland, and we, we got to minister. We went to his house. I didn't know he had a cat. Now, you know, that's a whole different ballgame with cats. Uh, you know, and so... I, they, I got there. Everything was fine. I'm in the house, and while I'm in the house, uh, this cat's roaming around, and I didn't realize the bedroom we slept in is where that cat slept. And his, our bed that we slept in was the bed he la- that cat laid on. And so I went in there. That whole night, my head got stuffy. Eyes got red. It start, I was sneezing uncontrollably. It was, it was a horrible night. And I couldn't blame it on jet lag or anything. It was just, I don't know what the problem was. Went outside for a few hours, went to the little town, walk around. Came back, so I walked the house and started back up again. Well, Joanne and her sister-in-law and her brother went to the city and they said, you want to go? I said, no, I'm going to stay here. So I got, grabbed the cat and sat down on the couch. And I said, God created me and you are obviously a God creation. And I said, so I'm not going to be allergic to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So stay on my lap, and I just start stroking that. And I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I refuse to have allergies. Sneezing. In Jesus' name, and my throat was, was tightening up. In Jesus' name, I will not have to. Thank you, Father. I'm not. For an hour and a half, I held that cat. Hour and a half. That cat was irritated, and so was I. And, and so we, I would put that cat. It tried to keep squeezing out of my hand. I wouldn't let it go. And then after about an hour and a half, my eyes were no longer red, no more dripping of my nose, no more sneezing. And to this day, cats don't faze me because I took dominion over it. So I took dominion. I spoke to it. And once I said it once, the rest of it was, well, I'll t- teach you later, is how to decree. You have to learn how to speak first. You establish it by what you say. Therein is, fa- is, is God revealed from faith to faith. So when you don't have things, when you believe in God for something, you have to speak it first. You got to get it down in your own spirit first. Now, now you recall Mark eleven twenty three when it makes a statement that that, uh, uh, that you and I are supposed to have the God kind of faith. Jesus speaking, he said, "Have the God kind of faith," or you know, God. And in that, he said, "Have faith in God," or the God kind of faith. Have faith the way God has it, the way He intended you to have it. You got to live it that way. Well, in order to do that, you got to hear it that way. You got to hear it that way. How could the Apostle Paul? Make this statement. We all having the same spirit of faith. Now, you all, all know this, that not every, every person who's a God person, who's accepted Jesus Christ to be the Lord, has or speaking the same thing. There's a lot of individuals that don't have that same spirit of faith. When I was at, we were in the church in Norwalk, and a woman uh, came to the church. She was, I was walking out of, my, out of the facility, going into my office, and she ran over. She had a little girl with her, a little blonde girl, about three years old. And uh, she, she stopped me. She goes, are you the preacher? Are you the preacher? Yeah. She goes, are you the pastor of the church? Yes. She goes, well, they t- over here at this church in Downey, we were in Norwalk, she said, that, uh, they told me to come see you. And I said, why did they come tell you to see me? They go, they, my daughter's dying. The doctor said she has cancer. She's going to die. And I, and I went to my pastor to pray. And he goes, uh, we don't believe in healing here. But there's a church in Norwalk, and they believe in healing. So take your baby over there. So she came. And so I said, your church doesn't believe in healing. They go, no. So she told me, my pastor told me to come see you. I said, okay. So I grabbed the baby. And I lifted the baby up. And I go, cancer, die in Jesus' name. And let this little girl live long. Hand her back. I said, go to the doctor's. Let him check her out. She goes, is that all you're going to do? I go, that's it. I go, she's well in Jesus' name. She called Two days later, she called the office. She goes, there's no cancer in my baby's body anymore. No cancer left the body. And I said, I said, now, here's the challenge I have for you. What's worse than cancer is that you're hearing from a preacher who doesn't believe in healing. What are you going to do the rest of your life? 
I said, I'm not telling you to leave the church, but I'm telling you to go where the word is. Amen. Amen. If your pastor couldn't get her healed, can he keep her healed? Isn't that wild? And so, listen, so the same spirit of faith can only arrive when you're hearing from the same vessel. When you hear from the same vessel. Don't ever expect to get oranges off a lemon tree. They may have similar colorations, but they're not called the same thing. A lemon tree has them. The tree will never produce an orange. It may look at the orange trees. I want an orange. I like the color of that over there. I want to be an orange. It can't be an orange because it's the DNA of a lemon. And an orange can't say, man, I want to be a lemon. I wish I could be that sour all day long and nobody judge me. I think it would be nice. <laughs> and it but it can't, it can't happen. It just can't happen. They'll never exchange. You can't hear from somebody who's condemning somebody else and then have righteous virtue. Stop, stop allowing yourself to be contaminated just by something that's quote called Christian. Not everything that you buy at the market is edible. Not everything labeled Christian is good. Not everybody that's Christian has the right intentions. Okay, so thank you for those amens. So anyway, the just shall live by faith. The righteous live by their faith. You live by your faith. You live by your faith. And here's the thing I found about it is, is faith makes you excited. Amen. That's why when you share the gospel, it's the most exciting thing you can do. Most exciting thing you can do. Uh, we, were, we left church last week. We left from church last week. We went to a restaurant. Jo- Joanne and I went to a restaurant. And Ed Suprez went with us. And we were at this restaurant. And I came out of the parking lot. I parked. I dropped Joanne out in front. Went in. And I got through preaching here. But Joanne and I are one-on-one. We love to preach the gospel to anybody. So I was walking across the street, and, and, and I'm walking, and there's family. There's a big table. Everybody's sitting outside. And I, uh, I went over there, and this guy stops me. He had to be about mid-20s. He goes, excuse me, you, you, sir. He goes, that suit you have on, who, do you, who are you? What do you do? I was watching across the street, and I couldn't take my eyes off you. Something about you. What, who are you? And I said, my name is Art. He goes, what do you do? I go, I'm a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. He goes, you are, and this, this man turns around, and I could tell he was older than all him. He goes, he said to me, well, what'd you preach today? Okay. All right. And, and uh, so you got to understand, I, I went for 45 minutes. You know, we're here, so I'm thinking, okay, well, here's what I started with. And I started going on with him, and he goes, okay, don't preach the whole message. I said, you started. The first, Bible in the, the first book in the Bible is Genesis. The last one is Revelation. You won't get the Revelation until like, you start from Genesis, so let's go. Let's go with this. And so they all started talking, and then he asked, he asked me this question. He said, listen, let me ask you a question. I'm their father. This is my sons and daughter over here. This is my daughter-in-law and my niece. He goes, can I be their best friends? I go, no, you can't. Just that quick. He goes, that was quick. He goes, no, you can't. I said, do you realize that you have a title called father? Why would you want to lower it to be a friend? They can always get friends, but they'll only have one father. Please don't give up your right to be a father. Look at them all here at the table. You know why they're here? They honor you, their father. I said, do you know how many dads would like all their children to be sitting around a table like this? They're all laughing at the table. Nobody punching each other. Do you know how, how honored you are right now? He's thought about it, and he goes, don't, don't be their friend, be their dad. Amen. Yeah, wow, listen to this. The woman's sitting right here, and she goes, that's my beautiful wife over there, and I told her how long we were married, how, when we met. And I said, so, and we got talking, and then this woman, I could tell her shoulders were moving. And so the woman across from me, she goes, she keeps whispering to me, that's my aunt. I go, okay. She goes, and she, this is her terminology, because she didn't know how else to phrase it. She goes, she's just dying for you to pray for her. Okay, well, you know, I, we were worried on, but I knew where she was coming from. So I said, may I put your hands on your shoulder? She goes, yes, I put my hands on her shoulder. She didn't even turn around to face me. I put my hands on her shoulder, and I said, your husband left you, and it wasn't your fault. But she broke down and started crying. I said, after all these years, over 30 years, and she left, he left you. It wasn't your fault. Don't blame yourself. Don't judge yourself. Don't condemn yourself. And I, then I began to pray for her, weeping, God, weeping, power of God. Then the ladies got up and they got around her. And once they started hugging on her, the, the other girl, she goes, I'm 19 years old. I said, okay, you got a wonderful life. I remember 19. I passed it by a few years ago. I said, it was a good year. I said, now listen, you got a, life, a lot of life ahead of you. Don't make wrong decisions. And that boyfriend you have right now, he's not the right one for you. And then she looks over and she goes, that's him right here. <laughs> And he, and he looks at me, he goes, he looks a little shy, he goes, uh, why'd you say that? And I said, because you like what you see, but you don't like what she'll be. I said, you're interested in her present, but you have nothing to give her for the future. I said, do you want to be a part of her future? 
McDonald. I go, how do, how do you see yourself with her? Is she going to be your wife? He just stared at me, and the father goes like that. Give me five. <laughs> pump, pump it out like that. We did this, and, and, uh, and so they all looked, and, and so the guy looks, he goes, how, why, what do you do? I go, I told you, I'm a minister. And he, so Ed came over, and he sang to her in Spanish, happy birthday. Everybody started laughing, and I said, you know, it's so easy to love God. You got a beautiful family. Let's all pray this together. And so nobody questioned it. They all said the prayer with me. Everybody got born again. Right after church. So, so it's not like this is it, and I punch out, and that's it. I'm not sure of telling anybody all day long. I just did my 245 minutes, and that is it. That's it. I'm done. Did my preaching for the day. No. This is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I wear gospel clothes. I have a gospel mind. I think godly. I think what God, what do you want from me today? What am I going to do today? Today is an awesome day. I have not lived this life before. This is new today. It's a new 24-hour period. What can I radically change? I'm going to give, get words from you and command my day based on what you said. The just shall live by faith. So the God kind of faith speaks. The God kind of faith speaks, and the God kind of faith speaks due to the God kind of life. The God kind of life and the God kind of faith is sandwiched in between it. The meat of that is what you're speaking. So if you want the life, you hear faith, but if you're not speaking it, you won't experience the life, the abundant life, the abundance of it, the satisfaction of it, that Jesus, your Lord, you're so good to me. God has privileged us in Christ Jesus, to live above ordinary. God has, has privileged us. We're honored to live above being ordinary. It's, so, it's such a blessing. Those who want to be ordinary and live in a lower plane, let them do it. Just don't you bow to it. If that's the way they want to live, let them live. Let them live that way. The, this whole uh, situation in the world today, every bit of it is, is, is all fear-based. Everything of it is fear-based. Am I saying that there is no virus? No. But viruses have been going on since man got started. They've been going on since the fall. These are not new. That's new to us. However, the word coronavirus is not new. They've been around for years. SARS was a former coronavirus. They've all been around. I'm not saying that you never take precautions. That's not what I'm saying. Don't put your head in the sand. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying don't give in to the fear of it. Because that's, that's the whole purpose of it. That whole level of this is that fear mode. And this is what we're giving into. And, and we've we got to walk away from that. Ordinary people. And listen, there are a lot of Christians in churches today. And they've dropped their joy. They've dropped their, even more so than they ever have. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And you've got you to encourage yourself sometimes. Because some of the folk around you aren't that encouraged or encouraging. I don't know whether you realize, not everybody's all excited. Not everybody's up. Everybody's all excited in this stuff. So you and I've got to, you know, so, so can you walk down the street and somebody say, hey, you, what is about you? What is it about you? I didn't have a sign on, said preacher. You know, preacher out of work, feed me. No, I didn't, this wasn't what I was doing. How is it that they can do that? How is it that they can do that? You know, Ben here is a fireman, and if he wore his, his, his uniform, his whole outfit, and he came into this, you would say fireman. He would say, they would say, there's, there's a fireman there. There was a, when my, we did my father's um, memorial service, and we were all eating. Um, a man, one of the men that was there, he looked at me, and he, he grabbed me. He goes, I was walking by him. I was saying hello to everybody that was there while we were eating afterwards. We rented a, a restaurant outside. So let me help all of you. So we weren't inside. We rented it outside, and we were out in a, and people wore masks to get there. We, we couldn't eat with the mask, so we had to take the mask off, and then we ate. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. We, and so... But we're in the restaurant, and we, we committed ourselves to that. And I was walking by, and I never knew this man, didn't know the man. My father had connected with this man and got talking to him. And this man became so close that once a week he'd come see my dad, and when he couldn't see my dad, he would use FaceTime, and him, they would talk. And so he was always reaching out to my dad, so he was there. And, but I was walking by, and he grabbed me by the arm, and he goes, can I ask you a question? I go, yeah, he goes, um, was that a relative of yours that was the, uh, did the he, he was with the gentleman that did taps. He's in the fire department. He was there. He recognized his uniform, recognized what he was doing. He goes, I, I retired as a fire chief. He goes, I did that 15 years ago, but that was my life. And he goes, and that was so honorable to see how he stood there and all he did. 
He goes, I, I knew he was just not a fireman, that that was his life, and that he was good at it just by how he stood. Wow, I thought, I don't know if he, he didn't know this because I don't think he, he even came up and talked to him, but he said, if you talk to him, tell him thank you for representing the fire department the way he did. So thank you. It, this is going forward to say thank you. A man recognized that. You, you, you always know, there's the, we used to watch a show called F Troop. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know F Troop at all, <laughs> if you don't know F Troop, F Troop was a bunch of cavalry guys, and their uniforms were always sloppy, the shirts were always hanged out, and their hats were crooked, their uniforms were always ripped, and when they stood in attention, they were like this. They, they never did, they couldn't shoot right, they couldn't do anything right. And, and so you could tell a real Marine or a real Navy man or a real Army man, the people that really take it serious, from F Troopers. You could tell. You can tell how they do their guns and you know, how they do, how they hold things and what they do. You can just tell that everything's out of place. I always thought, what was the purpose of teaching a military personnel how to, how to make a bed? What was the purpose of that? Except discipline. That if you can remain disciplined here at this particular moment, the discipline will carry through everything you got. So in order to be a disciple, you've got to be disciplined. And if you don't discipline yourself, It'll never work. And the problem with becoming a disciple is they're wanting somebody else uh, to feed them, but at the same level. No, you got to have somebody who knows more than you know in order to do this. And so uh, God has privileged us in Christ Jesus to live above the ordinary. You've been called to do this. The way of faith in Christ Jesus always brings us to this location where the shout of amen is there. It's our heart to do the will of God. So no matter what level of life you're in, the will of God is at that place. God will prosper you right where you're at. God can increase you when nobody wants you to increase. When nobody wants, God will bless you. God will take you from one level to the other level. In Mark's gospel, once again, uh, Mark 4.24, Jesus was talking. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe with those things he saith, he'll have whatever he says. So Jesus said, have the faith of God, then uses other illustrations. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, speak, you talk. He said, whoever says, if you say, Jesus never said, you tell me about the mountain. Talk to me about the mountain. Tell me to move the mountain. God is not in the mountain. God didn't create the mountain. God has not initiated the mountain. God is not protecting the mountain. God is saying, that mountain's there, but you have the authority to remove it. So you say it. So you say it. But here's the key. Stop saying things that adds dirt to the mountain. Stop building the mountain up. Don't do that. Don't, don't build on, on mountains. Don't, don't add stuff to it. Don't add to it. Now, in order for us to do this and honor the will of God by speaking to the mountain, you at first have to speak to your own self that, you know what, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to live in unforgiveness. I am not going to live in, in, in discord. Bible hate, the Bible says that there's six things God hates, and he goes, no, seven. He said the first one is, he that sows discord among the brethren. That's the first thing he said. So you cannot be a sower of discord, a sower of discord, and then live a life of harmony and unity. It's just not going to work. You can't sow discord. Listen, somebody showed you mercy. I'm going to go over on this side. Somebody showed you mercy. There was some time in your life, somebody showed you mercy. Some of you more than others. You needed it. And if God showed you mercy, then why can't we be merciful? Why can't we be merciful? Instead of getting upset because somebody went off on you, why don't you just step back for just a moment before you say anything and say, I have no clue what they're going through today. I have no, through what, I have no clue what happened yesterday. I don't know what they're, what they're going through. I don't know if they're maybe saying, as a man, I don't know how I'm going to provide my home, but the struggles are going. I haven't told. I, you don't have a clue what anybody's going through. So you cannot judge that. Instead, of, instead we should be merciful saying, I'm not going to take that in. Rather, this is my key to pray. They need prayer right now. And I just got my prayer assignment. I just know what I've got to do in prayer. So I'm going to take it. And then you walk away saying, Father, thank you. And call them by name. I thank you for their life. I thank you that you're going to give them direction, give them protection. You're going to show them what they need to do. And once you start doing that, I guarantee you, God will raise up people to pray for you. Because none of us got born again without prayer. 
Whether you know it or not, somebody prayed for you and prayed you into the kingdom. You may not know who it is, but somebody stood in the gap and prayed you in, and then somebody came before you and shared the gospel, and you got born again. I was, you know, all those years of, of being in, in high school and all the things I did, nobody ever shared the gospel with me. Nobody shared the gospel with me. There was only one time I got close to that happening. All of my friends were going to a Bible study at that time. And uh, I, went, I saw them going in the house. And I pulled my car over, my Volkswagen, and pulled it in. And uh, I was on my way to pick up Joanne. And uh, uh, all my friends were there, every one of them. They were all in the house. They were all going in. So I, they saw me. I go, hey, what are you guys doing? And I was on my way to go do some other stuff. We won't get into all that. And uh, buy some other stuff, which we won't get into. And then, uh, and then go have some fun with it. So we were going to, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was on my way to go see Joanne. I told them, I'm on my way to go pick up Joanne. What are you guys doing later? And they go, we're in a Bible study. Why don't you come in? I go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to go to Bible study. Nope, I'm not going to do that. So one of them came over and he goes, well, why, why don't you just try it out? And the other one opened the door, grabbed my keys, and ran in the house. And so I said, well, I'm not going in there to get the keys. And they go, well, you just wait here until the Bible study is over. Just come inside. And if you just sit for 10 minutes, we'll give you the keys. Well, then the pastor who was running, overseeing the Bible study and the mother of the house who was uh, holding it in her home, they, they both came out. They said, you know, God's dealing with you very strongly. That's why you haven't driven away. I said, no, that's not why. And then she goes, yeah, why, why haven't you left then? Because God's got you. I said, no. They took my keys and they went in the house. I would have left for a long time ago. I said, so the devil's got my key. I said, they're holding me hostage or I can't drive away. And so I said, you go get my key for me. I'm not going in that house. And he goes, well, why don't, you, uh, why don't you come in and get, I go, no, 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 I'll stay right here. They're holding me hostage, so go get my key. So they got my key, and I drove away. And then so for weeks, they all told me, you should come to the Bible study. I never went to the Bible study. I never went in, and nobody ever told me about Jesus Christ, not one of them, not one of them. And all of them got backslidden. They all, I don't know whether they, they really got it in or not, I don't know. But it was years later that where Joanne shared the gospel with me, and I got born again. Then both of us tried to share with them, and they said, no, we don't want to hear the gospel. But here's the interest. They knew it. They go, we heard that. But they told us, stop hanging out with us because we're nothing but trouble. And if you hang out with us, you're going to walk away like we did. We were in a, in a party when they kicked us out. Took us outside, not forcibly, just said, come on with us. All of us are like the devil, and you don't belong here. Go live for God, and don't ever come around us again. Well, and here we are. And I don't know if either one of them were saved to this day. I don't know. I have no clue. But Joanne and I are. We're born again out of that, that group. What you say out of your own mouth. I got born again and it stuck with me. So I'm not, I'm not excited because I'm a preacher. I'm excited because I'm a Christian. I'm excited because I love God. Amen. Thank you for a few of your nods and amens about this. Now, and so God is not your, God, uh, not your challenge. We're the ones that are addressing the mountain and the challenge and the obstacles. We're the ones doing that. The word in your heart and in your mouth saying what God has told you to say concerning the situation or circumstance. If you're not speaking it this way, then it could be that you're telling God, demanding God, or begging God to come and remove your mountain. God never asked you to be beggars. God never asked you to come to Him and try to throw it on His feet. He gave the authority to you. So that authority has already been given over to you, and you've got to learn to speak that thing. Now, there was a time, if you didn't hear me on Wednesday night, we were dealing, I was talking about this at Joanne. And in the year, year mid-70s, the Olympics was on. And uh, during that time period, several people got together, just really a handful of people got together, so, some people from Canada and some people from Moscow. They got together and they began to discuss this thing about opening up a McDonald's in, the, in Moscow. And so they discussed this in the 70s. Now, it, it was built in the year of 1990 is when it got built. And the year of 1990, this, thing, this, this tremendous thing was built. And it sat, it was three stories, it sat 900 people. They hired 600 uh, people, employees, to come and, uh, and to serve everybody. And so when they did this and they opened this up, they, they did this. It, keep in mind, they started talking about this in the 70s. That's when the seed was planted. Then between 19, the mid-70s, all the way in between that, the funding started coming. And then they built this McDonald's in the middle of all this. And here's the interesting thing. They were standing eight hours and nine hours in line for one Big Mac and fries and Coke. Eight to nine hours. And that, we say, man, who would stand in line for a Big Mac? Well, when you're used to standing in line at that time uh, for food, bread, milk, eggs, because you could not go to a store. 
You want to know why? It's called socialism. Anybody hear that word lately? It's called the removal of capitalism and socialism. And socialism said we're all equal, and therefore if we're all equal, you don't all get anything. And so they were used to standing in line. If you talk to people from the era or come from those countries, they don't have it. They don't have the luxury like you have to go anytime you want, go get in line. They didn't have a McDonald's. They'd heard of McDonald's, had never tasted a burger like this, ever. And so they were anticipating to feed 1,000 people, and 31,000 people showed up. There's the people that came. They stood in that line. Look at the cold. Look at the rain. It snowed by that evening, and everybody was still in line. If you watch the video of it, people are walking through there, bumping into each other, looking through a three-story place where to sit to eat their burger. It was amazing. Joanne saw it in 1990, the commercial of it. And in our, in, while we watched the TV, she put her hand out. She goes, I'm going to Moscow, and I preached the gospel there. This is what connected her right here. To seeing this connected her. Look at the people. If they're hungry for McDonald's, they're hungry for God. God, send me to Moscow. And that was what prompted her right then to speak out of her spirit and speak a future thing. And two years later, in 1970, mid-70s, they started talking about building it, and it took to the 90s. It took two years for Jan to get there. I'm going to Moscow. And then Merrill Hickey went. And Joanne was going, going to go find out about it. So she got together to go, to, to go there. And the woman in the church at that time came to Joanne and said, I believe you're supposed to go to Moscow. So I'm going to raise all the money for you so you don't have to pay one dime. I pay your airfare, your hotel expenses, your food expenses. I pay for everything for you to go. And for Sue is Perez to go with you because, you know, Art won't let you go by yourself. And so two, the both of them got to go, and they, spent, they, they got all the money. They boarded that plane, and they flew to Moscow. John, Joanne was called to God through this. She wasn't going to go eat McDonald's. We have one here. But that was the hook that got her to speak. I'm going to Moscow. However God uses you, whatever God has to use to get to you. from an God gave Abram an idea. He looked at the stars. That's it right there. That's how many children you'll have. Look at the sand. That's how many children you have. For her, it was this McDonald's. It may not have been you. You may not look at that picture say, I'm going to Moscow. That may not be it, but for her, that's what it was. Then she got there. Now, with the tenacity of faith, the last night of the meeting, she were preaching the whole time they were there. And they rented three buses the whole time they were there. And not her, Marilyn Hickey's ministry did. And they rented the three buses. And then the buses, when they were due through preaching, Joanne, last night, Joanne asked the bus driver, drive me by the McDonald's. Drive me by McDonald's. See, this is not a story, ladies and gentlemen. You know what this is? This is Revelation. It says, we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It didn't say we overcome by memories. You overcome by testimonies. This is, I'm giving you a testimony. That's why I know where word works. That's why I know that building strong families work. That's why I know that you can remove fear from doing accomplishing anything you want in your life. We were living these three vision, missionary statements within us. So we knew we could go. We knew she could go. We knew she could do this. So... Listen to this. You don't normally do this. You don't tell, you didn't rent the bus. You're not in charge of this meeting. She tells the bus driver, take me to McDonald's. I can't go to McDonald's. We got all these people. And, and, and Joanne goes, well, he goes, unless they want to go or they get off. Joanne turns around and tells him, we're going to McDonald's. If you don't want to go to McDonald's, get off and get on one of the other buses. Otherwise, you're going to McDonald's. And there, some people got off and the rest just stayed on the bus. And that bus took him to the McDonald's directly in front of this McDonald's. Right in front, and it was closed. And there were some people in there. Joanne got up, banged on the window, and there's, there's Joanne and Sue. They got out, and they banged on that window and said, I've come all the way, and I've got to have something from McDonald's. And they gave her a little placemat in Russian that you see on the windows there, a little tiny one. All that's done, said in, in their language, Russian language. And so Joanne has that. There's her picture. That's a testimony. That's not an image. That's a testimony. You're seeing somebody who spoke into existence what they wanted. And somebody who was standing by her got hooked into it. Sue. And she goes, you can't go by yourself. You can't go. Whoever you're with takes you with them. Whether it's up or down. Whether it slows you down or speeds you up. Whether it gets off course. It doesn't really matter. The, listen, the road to destruction is wide. And it's full. You can go any direction you want. But the road of righteousness, it's narrow. You've got to stay on it. So you've got to stay focused on what you want to do. You've got to speak it. 
You got to get into that and realize that what we have. Uh, listen to this. Speak. Next thing is this. Decree. Speak and decree. Speak is first. Speak is when you speak to yourself. You hear yourself saying your dream. You hear yourself saying your desire. You hear yourself saying what you're going to accomplish. How you're going to do it. You got to say it out of your mouth. For years when Joanne and I got married and I, I made the statement to myself, uh, it's my responsibility to love her. It's my responsibility to show her love. I bought every book on marriage I could find. I was the one who bought books. Joanne never bought a book on marriage. She's, I don't think she's ever read a book on marriage. Oh, you have? Okay. All right. One. One page. But she bought a book. About, I, bought, I bought these. And then what I did is I figured this. I believed this. That if I could discover how to be the best husband that it would cause her to become the best wife. And I found this out. It was 100% giving and no taking. The greatest lie ever shed upon marriages is 50-50. That's a life in the pit of hell. Because if all you're doing is giving your spouse 50, who are you giving the other 50 to? You're totally devoted. I'm totally devoted to God. I don't have 50-50 to God. I don't have him and then Buddha on the side. <laughs> Just in case, I got a backup. No, it doesn't work. They'll throw a quarter in the wishing well because my prayer didn't work. I prayed, but just the wishing well. It didn't work that way. You got to live for God. Amen. You got to live with this way. So I told you, I, then I finally came to the conclusion of saying it because I was saying it so long, I had to decree it. I told Joanne, you give me five years and you'll never have to work another day in your life. I was developing my faith. And so at the end of fifth year, I got the biggest raise I'd ever had, got sustained in that, and it was making more than both of us combined together, plus some. And, we, and we're in the 70s now. And we're, I'm making major bucks. I said, Joanne, you don't have to work again another day. If you, don't, if you want to work, keep working, but you don't ever have to. You don't have to do this. And I never called her my housewife because she wasn't married to the house. Yeah. Amen. I was pretty chunky back then, but I wasn't as big as the house. So she wasn't married to the house. So I, I never called her that. I don't like when women are called housewives. That's just me. Because you married a woman, she's not, your, she's not your slave, you don't own her, you love her. Amen. You love her. And, and so I was speaking, I was decreased, so I said, you give me that five years. You give me, and I, and I did. And at the end of five years, when I told her that, uh, she kept working. And then after that, she got a part-time job, she went back to school part-time. That's fine. I, it didn't faze me. And I told her, now, uh, listen, the money you have, go, go do whatever you want to do with it. I've got this covered. I got everything covered here. You ever have to do that as long as you, as, whatever you want to do, just be you. Be the greatest you you can be. Amen. And so, and thank you for all those looks. I appreciate that. And so, but, but I decreed it. I decreed it. I decreed it when I didn't have it. I decreed it when I couldn't afford it from the natural standpoint until it manifested. And when it manifested and they called me in with the promotion. And I, I was, and I shouldn't have got one, they said, for over 10 years. And I would never become the part, the part of the department I was in, but I, I started associating with people in higher levels. I was being trained by people of other levels. Nobody wanted to eat with them. I was called a general laborer. So I started out with hanging out with the cooks. That's who I ate with, the cooks. And I got the lingo of the cooks. Started working with the cooks, helping the cooks out during my breaks. I stopped taking breaks. Until, until I started having Bible studies in my car, my Volkswagen van outside. I, everybody ate but me every day. They'd all fill my van up, and I'd sit outside my van, and I'd preach the gospel, and I'd have my van filled with people, getting people born again out there. I'd go to the water, water fountain, and people get healed at the water fountain. I'd take a drink, they take a drink, I lay hands on them, they get healed. And then another person take a drink, i take a drink. I got still full of old water, but I was filled with God. It was so good. It was so glorious. What a wonderful thing. People come over and say, let me do your job for you so you can teach me. What an awesome thing to do. I was preaching the gospel like this before I was doing this. This is why I'm doing this. Because I started when I was with, with Faithful. I, I preached to boxes. You've all told me that. I've told you that. In a warehouse at Laura Scudder Protection. I lined up boxes and preached them. And then asked how many people get saved. And I lift a flap up. I see that flap. I see that flap. I see that flap. And then I lay hands on them. I said, you're going to get out of your box in Jesus' name. And then I lay hands on them. And I knock the box. And I lay hands on them. I knock the box over. And all boxes. Stay in the power. It's okay. Grow with God. And my lead lady, she was already angry at me. She goes, what are you doing? Why do you do stuff? I go, because I'm a minister of the gospel. She goes, oh, she'd shake her head. But that same woman, that same woman, when she was racked with cancer and dying on her deathbed, asked somebody from work, go hunting Art down. I need to see him. She called me into her, into, into her hospital room. 
This is the mercy of God. God will always have mercy on you. She tried to get me fired. She told me in that hospital, I tried to get you fired for six years. I hated you. She goes, now that I'm dying, I need help. And you're the only one I knew that lived it at work. She goes, I need you to pray with me. So I did. I led her to Jesus Christ and found out she, she went to heaven the next day. Early morning, she went to heaven. I caught her right at the last time. Now listen to me. She still had an abundant entry. You got to speak it, you got to decree it, and then you got to confess it. Do you know what that means? Find a few people you could talk to that will never discourage you from what you're speaking and decreeing. Not everybody's on the same level. You got, you got, to, stop, you got to stop telling your dreams to people who don't have any. Stop telling your goals and your, your, what's your plan to do for God with individuals. When I, I told somebody, I even told somebody I was going to Nicaragua, I went to Guatemala, but I, it was so interesting. I, mean, I'm going, I said, I'm going to Gary, Indiana to go preach. And several preachers said, you'll die if you go there. I go, excuse me? They go, oh, no, they, they, it's violent there. I go, don't you think that's where we should go? I said, and that's why you won't go. I said, I didn't ask you to go with me. I said, so therefore your opinion doesn't matter to me. You've got to, you to learn to say what you've got to say. You've got to learn to speak up on this thing because this is important to you. That some, somebody will try to talk you out of your dream. And they're not all from the world. They're not all from the world. Some of them are, are, are friends because they've never done it. They don't think you can. Remember the 10 spies went out? And uh, you, you remember what happened there? The 10 spies went out and eight of them agreed that we can't do it. And eight of them somehow came to the conclusion, we're just grasshoppers. And they all bought into that. We're grasshoppers. And they bought into it. Only two. No, no, Joshua can't. No, we're not. No, we're not grasshoppers. No, we can't. They, they had a different talk about them. Confession. And then you got to rehearse it. Find somebody that you could rehearse your dream to, who's accomplished more, who's doing more. I spent, I spent close to, not, not church money. This is not church-related money. This is not out of the budget of the church years back. This is not part of this. When I met Dr. Um, Dr. Ivor V. Hilliard, and I, said, uh, he, I heard him say, if I can hear what you preach, just any message that you preach, I can tell you what you believe and how strong you are as a minister of the gospel. I, I took a break. I was in, in L.A. I took a break, went home, just went into, the, into our, uh, our building, got a cassette tape, and ran to it. I didn't pick one of my favorite message, top ten. I don't, I don't even know if I have any top tens. I don't know. what. I just grabbed one. And I took one. I took it to him, and I walked behind him. And I said, Brother Hilliard, I heard what you said. And uh, I said, I have a tape for you. Listen, in a month, two months, three months, four months, whatever you can listen to, listen to it, and then call me and tell me what you think. I go, because I'd like to fly out there, and I'll meet with you face-to-face, and you tell me. I said, I need your time, sir. And he looked at me, he goes, are you serious about that? I go, oh, yeah, I am. He called his wife over and he said, um, and I, didn't, I, I knew Dr. Hilliard, but I didn't know this about him. Uh, at the time I'm talking to him, I, didn't, I knew he was, but I didn't know this. At that time, he had 14,000 members in his church. I, at that time, he had over 300 ministers that were ordained by him. At that time, he had four different churches running. Every church is built the same size, 4,000 in each church. And so he had all this property. He had his plane, his helicopter. I didn't know that he, that he, was, that he was going from church to church in a helicopter. I didn't know all this. He, he and I sat for years and talked and never brought that up. It was never discussed. Ownership of things. We never talked about it. We just, we just talked. So I didn't know that. So he, so he looked, called his wife over. And Bridget, he goes, what do I do every Thursday? He goes, Thursday, uh, you go to the, the cabin we have, and you lock yourself away, and all you do is seek the face of God the whole day, and you fast and pray the whole day. Hey, she goes, how long? He goes, how long have I been doing that? He goes, 12 years. Do you hear that? 12 years I've been doing that. Have I ever been interrupted? She goes, just a few times by us. You know, anybody, anybody, I've been interrupted by anything else. He goes, never. You will not let it be interrupted. He goes, listen close to me. He turns to his wife and he goes, Art, I'm giving you permission once a month on a Thursday to come spend the whole day with me. Amen. And he said, I see something in you. He goes, I like the way you talk. When you said it, you know how many tapes I've been handed to? But nobody said it with the fire and intensity you did. He goes, so come. I said, I'm going. Do you know that cost me $14,000 in, in a total of 11 months to fly out there? Room, room cost. And then I'd, I'd just go meet with him. And then out of my own money, then I would give him between $1,000 and $2,000 just for his time. And it was in the restaurant that he grabbed me. He sat there at the restaurant, uh, at, uh, uh, and, and he looked at me. And we're sitting there, nice restaurant. We got our order in. We got our water, our little appetizers. And he looked at me. He goes, what's this? I go, well, this is the Bible. He goes, what's Jeremiah 3.15 say? 
I said, well, it's, it says that uh, I've given you a pastor off my own heart. And he looks at me and goes, is that what it says? I mean, he goes, I don't think it reads it that way. I go, yeah, it says that I've given you a pastor off my own heart. And he grabbed his Bible and he threw it at me. Hit me in the chest. Now, see, if I threw my Bible at somebody today, I don't know what they would do. But I just hauled it across. It. I'm at a table. He hit me right in the chest hard with it. Most people couldn't handle that. I flew out here. You throw something at me? No. Going home. Well, just go outside. I don't care how big you are, tall you are. I'll get an equalizer. What we'll do, that's how some people do it. I'm not going back. He's a mean pastor. He's a mean man of God. Mean, mean, mean. He threw that at me. And he said, read it. And I opened my Bible. And I said, it says, it says that I'll give you a pastor. He goes, stand on the chair and say it. In this restaurant. And so I got, I got on this chair, and I'm saying this in the restaurant. And he goes, say it louder. And I said it as loud as I could. And he goes, he goes, great. Do you look at everybody? Look at everybody looking at you. He goes, you finally believed that verse when you said it that way. He goes, that's your failure. And it will be your failure to believe what that says. And you don't need somebody else to tell you you are. You need to say it to yourself. You need to say it to yourself. If you don't believe you're the greatest husband there is, you won't be that. Just because somebody gives you a plaque and a little trophy doesn't mean anything. We don't know you. You got to say it. You got to say it. No, you know what? I am worthy, like I was in the, at, at the work, I'm worthy of that promotion. I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to have what I said. And after I said what I said, five years later, I got the promotion and I got it so I could come home and make that announcement to Joanne. You know, I had that promotion for one year when the Lord said to me, okay, I want you to quit. I just got this raise. I got a pro bonus. He goes, quit, go into the ministry. Wow. And I, I, I went uh, from making at that point in time, it's almost $7 an hour in the 70s, and uh, to the first month, first month, making $120 the first month. And then I had to pay $80 to the rental of the church because I was the only one funding it. So $80. So guess what? I lived off $40 that whole month, obeying God. And Joanna already quit work. She's working part-time. And now uh, we have a child coming. Joel's coming. And so, man, it looked like I was a failure as a husband, like I just quit. But I had to still stick with it. Two days after preaching, two weeks after preaching, I went into a little restroom and I knelt down by the toilet crying, going, God, I can't do this. I got to go back to work. I, I'm, not, I'm not good for this. I can't do it. He goes, get up and stop hugging the toilet. I was like, there was no room for anything else to do. So I was on my knees. I got up. I stood up. And he said, say this out loud. I'm called of God. And I yelled it in the, rest, in the restroom. I'm called to God. I had to say it. This is called speaking it, decreeing it, confessing it, rehearsing it, and commanding it. I picked myself up, wiped my tears off with the water, and then went out and preached. Ma'am. And been doing it ever since. If you don't believe in you enough, if you don't believe in you enough, it, it'll, it'll falter. Decree it. You got to believe something. Every storm raging against, say this with you, every storm raging against me. I'll say it a little bit bolder. I say it with you, I believe right now. Every storm raging against me has to cease in the name of Jesus. No weapon, no mountain rising up against me can't succeed. I have what I say in Jesus' name. And together, we having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak, and therefore we have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I just want you to know, listen close to me as I believe this over your life. Joanne, I was reading my notes to her, and she said, well, is that a confession? Is that a note? I said, no, it's how God gave it to me. I believe, so now I speak, that I am the healed of the Lord. If anybody wants this, I'll put it on, the, on my, my page. Therefore, all viruses, infectious agents, destructive bacteria, any microorganisms must die, and I refuse for them to live in my body in Jesus' name. The most, power, most powerful display of the ruling authority is in my heart, and it's in my mouth, and it changes every situation and every circumstances regarding my life. I refuse to let conditions defeat me. I utilize my vocabulary of faith, and I change from the ordinary to becoming the extraordinary, and I live the life of God, and I do it in Jesus' name. 
This is how we confess. Last scripture, Deuteronomy, excuse me, uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Let me give you this verse. Glory be to God. I, I believe this, that faith when it's alive is activated. Yes. It speaks and it, it declares. It, it decrees. It has to do it. it has to, you have to give voice to it. Most exciting Christians are them talking their faith. They're speaking the words of God. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The end to death and the beginning of life starts in the power of the tongue. The preaching of the gospel is the, is the power of God into salvation. They're, you're, the, what's going on in your tongue, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You're going to eat what you say, whether you like what you have or not. You're going to eat what you say. You're partaking of it every day. So you better like what you're saying. Amen. Now, what you say at home cannot be just changed for when you get around a bunch of other individuals. It's got to be constant. It's got to be, you know, even, even in your jesting, it's got to be right. Amen? So uh, you have a covenant right to stand on the Word of God deal with this. You and, you and I have a right. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it makes this powerful statement. This is, this is uh, I got a hold of it. If you study... Read Romans 1, read uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1, read Galatians 1, Philippians 1, Ephesians 1, those verses, and then go back and then read Galatians 1 again, 1, 1. All the verses, 1, 1 through 1, 3. Read them all. Galatians is the only one that doesn't start saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by the will of God. Galatians starts off because that whole book is a whole book of, of, of rebuke. It's a whole book. Who, who was it that got in your head and got you off track? That's what he says. What happened to you guys? you guys? You guys started out right. But the rest of the books, hey, Paul, the apostle of God. Why? Well, now, that's why you find the scripture says that we having the same spirit of faith. We have this same spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith that we have came because we all hear the same thing. Today's society, we have so much stuff that we're filtering. Go to YouTube. You find all kinds of stuff from two minutes to 22 minutes to two hours long. And not everything is feeding you. All kinds of individuals, stuff that's going on. Like this woman that uh, told by her pastor, go, uh, there's a preacher over there, he believes in healing, but uh, I don't. What a, what a tragedy. But see, so he and I don't have the same spirit of faith. Now when it comes to healing, salvation, yes. We believe in salvation. But see, not everybody believes the same way. I believe in Jesus' name that the potential to be wealthy is in every one of you. I believe that. I believe that you can succeed. I believe God can prosper you on your job. And if you work a job, why can't you own it? Who told you you can't? Because the people who own those companies probably didn't have the education to do it. They just did something that's a little different. They obeyed. They obeyed work. They obeyed the, the principles to do what you have to do to get it done. And the, this is the quality of life. For me, this is what I do. This, this is my life. I sit myself down. I open my Bible. I read. I do this. If I have to locate the will of God, then I got to speak the will of God. I got to locate it in my life. When this coronavirus hit and the Lord spoke, and I, they said, you're going to, uh, to stay at home orders, I went to prayer right away. It didn't take long. It, was, it wasn't even but five minutes. When the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, he said, you're going to start services back up at, on June the 7th. And Mark said, June 7th, he gave me the date. And then he told me, go 9-11. That's why we're doing this. I'm doing it because this was the instruction that he gave me. So since he gave me this instruction, I'm obeying the instruction. And he said, you won't shut down if you'll stick with it. So that's exactly what I'm doing. But then I did something over and above that. Joanne and I talked about this the other day. We were sitting there and talking about this. And I said, you know, the first thing, that, when, after he told me that, the first thing he did, he said, sow a seed from yourself and sow a seed from the church and make sure your congregation lasts because you sow into the ministry. And then he told me, sow a seed and double it up, give it substantial to Brother Copeland and to Jesse Duplantis. And so Jesse Duplantis is my ordaining factor. He's my, he's, he's my, he's my spiritual father, so to speak. And so uh, I, I submit myself to him. And, uh, and, and man, it's just so pleasure to know that he loves us and appreciates Joanna and I. I appreciate that. And, but Brother Copeland, back since the 70s, serving him, giving to him, and, and doing, so we've been doing this for years and years and years. So the Lord gave me those two individuals, so into Brother Copeland and so into Brother Jesse Planet. And Joanne told me this. She goes, he basically is your spiritual father. 
He basically is. Now over the years, I don't plan on it. I don't, I don't have any intention of it at all. I don't recognize it. I don't see it. I don't try to force it. But sometimes people tell me, sometimes you'll preach and you, you talk sometimes like Brother Copeland or sometimes Lester Summerall. And they say, sometimes when I move out in the gifts, it's like Dr. Ed Dufresne. Well, you, all the, the, the anointings that I've been under, that I've sat under, and these are the people that gone home to be with the Lord that I know, and then those that are still with us. Brother Copeland, to be out what he's doing, what he's doing, at, at 83 years old and being solid, totally, uh, I mean, immersed in the Word. Amen. And then Brother Jesse Duplantis, praise God for it. Do you realize that during this pandemic and the whole situation, he sent us a video? They were supposed to be here, and they sent us a video? They may have done it to others. I don't know about it, but they may have. But it's so awesome that we said, could you send us a video? And they said, yeah. He goes, and Kathy said, I want to do one of my own. I want to go on to you. I want to go on my own. But they were both going to speak. She said, I'll do one on my own, and then you do one. And so they did. Man, I, that was so awesome for me to see to it that they would do that and bless us. And so, you know why? Because we associate, and we, we're like-minded in spirit of faith. Amen. I loved it when I sat in this plane. We flew. And then we were sitting there, and I'm out, and he goes, sit right here, Art. And I sat down in the chair. He sat on the floor right in front of me and talked to me the whole flight. I go, well, you can sit up there. He goes, no, I want to sit right here. And then we, when we landed, he said, do you know you're the first person to ever ask me how much I paid for the plane, how comfortable the seats were? He goes, you, you, you right away asked me, I heard you preach this. What would you say? He goes, we had 30 minutes of conversation. That's how long it took to get from here over to Bakersfield, get on the plane, landing. And he goes, you're the first person to ever ask me about the plane. Wow, I thought, well, I said, I, I came because of you. I said, the plane can't give me anything. You can. I said, I'd get on the plane to go be, be with the plane. I can't be with you. It was an awesome plane. It was an awesome plane. But that, was, that experience was just being there with him. And then do the same thing flying back. I, had my, own, I had my own hour message with Jesse Duplantis. Amen. What an awesome thing it is. Why? Because you're favored. And because he could trust me. Because he could trust me in that plane. Amen. That I wasn't going to speak negative against it. We having the same spirit of faith. Amen. And so what hour we're in right now, you've got to learn to talk. There's a lot of Christians in fear over what, the, what false prophet Fossey's saying. And uh, come on, man. When this thing first got, he said masks wouldn't even work. Go back and watch when he first said, you, you guys wear masks, will not work. Then all of a sudden he changed his mind. Then he said, no, it's okay, you don't have to. Then he said, no, it's this certain type. Then he said, cloth moss will not work. Look at all of you with cloth. And he said, that won't work. But he said it wouldn't. Then he said he would. Then he said it wouldn't. Then he said he would. And so the experts keep changing their mind. They keep changing their mind. And the thing about that, this never changes. This is progressive, but it doesn't change. This is a popular word today, the progressives. It's a popular word, the progressives. And, and they're, they're using this. But let me help you. Let me, say, let me close with this and make this statement. I'm gonna, this is probably my third closing. You know, you could be, you don't, don't blame, yell at, or get mad at the far lefts, because if you're far right, you're going to be just as wrong. Because you're going to be just as angry, but you're angry at the left. And so it doesn't work. What you got to do is the straight and narrow and say, you know what? They need mercy. Let me help you here. Uh, everyone, Republican or Democrat, need Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Amen? And nobody is perfect. And I'm a, I'm a, I know it pop your bubble. Not even you. And not even me. We're not perfect. So since we're not perfect, stop projecting what you feel about your perfection onto somebody else. This nation's in trouble. They don't need our, back, our, our lip. They don't need our destructive words against our nation. We need to speak the word. And we need to put people in office that will represent the best we know of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need this with everything in us. And we need to appropriate our faith to say, this is what we're going to do. We cannot be natural. We've got to be spiritual over this thing. Amen. Amen. So this, that, that office is not a natural office. That's a spiritual office. It's a spiritual office. The office of president, that is a spiritual office. And the undermining, and well, all the news and every stuff's going on right now. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, don't give in to the fear of it. Don't give in. Amen. Because it's a destructive force, man. It'll wipe you out. And so it, it literally will. And so, uh, you know, we've been, we've been in places where we were, we were told stuff 
if we were going to die in other countries and other places. And then we hear this going on. But they don't need to tell us anymore so much on the news. All they need to do is just turn us loose with this. And now you're seeing people beat each other up in, in, uh, in stores because they don't got a mask. They're beating each other up over a mask, yelling at each other, shooting each other over statements. And they're shooting each other. Man, this thing, the spirit of violence and rebellion is as a spirit of witchcraft. This whole thing is not about a movement. It's about a spirit that is called the spirit of witchcraft. Rebellion is the spirit of witchcraft. And it's out in our world today. We as the church have got to stand up and be what we're called to be. Man, we're butting right up against this end time stuff. But we're, listen, we're, I know they're always talking about the, the beast and the mark and all this kind. We've been telling you that for years. I got born again. But it's going to happen. It's the dark, darkness is going to get darker while light gets lighter. And the only way it gets lighter is with you and I. We're the light of the world. We're going to get blessed. We're going to get healed. We're going to get delivered. And the darkness is going to yell out, how'd you do it? How did you get that raise? How'd you get that bonus? How'd you get that promotion? How did you come out of the hospital when they told you you could? How did you do that? Jesus. You won't point to a man. You won't point to a church. You're going to point to your God and say, my God did this for me. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I bless everybody that's present. No weapon formed against us. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.